We all know that cars mean traffic, errands, and budgets. But they should also represent freedom and fun. Join us as we work to find everyone a car they'll love. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. There's an awful lot of chrome at SEMA. There's shiny everything and carbon fiber stuff over that I here. didn't know you could make out of carbon fiber. Yes. Look over here, and this is very loud. And by the way, we are grinding something, and this person's lifting up a car <laughs> on a lift. And by the way, there are people at SEMA putting tires on rims live. I'm not sure why, but Triangle yeah. Tires was there, which made me laugh. I took a photo of Triangle Tires, and I actually got it. At an, I, should, I should post this photo. I actually got it at an angle where you can see the logo twice, and it looks like a triangle just for fun. I found the hall that is actually all automotive everything in the Westgate Hotel. I didn't even know existed. Uh-oh. They brought paint booths. Multiple sure paint yeah. booths for yeah, yeah. car. Everything was in there. I'm astounded. And it looks so funny to have all these automotive tools that belong in greasy shops. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then they're in the pristine carpet of the ballrooms totally. and everything. It's very strange looking. Yeah, SEMA Such is nuts. It's happy Friday. We've just gotten back from SEMA. And, uh, and, and here's the thing. The show in the parking lot is bigger than most shows. And that's the, yeah, those are the people yeah. that don't rank high enough to get inside the convention center yet. <laughs> There's the the tent purgatory over here and yeah. people trying to work their way up. But if you have a spot, even in the mid-range kind of halls, mm-hmm. you don't ever want to lose that. You don't ever want it yeah. as a company to say, well, we're not going to go this year. We'll go next. Yeah. You'll lose your status. Yeah, we met a company a year ago, actually, that they were in one of like the extra rooms where you got to go down two extra hallways and then you find them. You're going, where is that 71,000? What, what, where are they? We met that company, and they said, yeah, we used to come every year, and then we didn't come for two years, and now we can't get back in the good room. Yeah, it's they're crazy. relegated to it's crazy. You know, back of the line kind yeah. of thing, which is crazy. Yeah, some of you have asked about SEMA and things that were our favorite and things that stuck out. It was horsepower. It was the amount of money and effort, because I look at things through the lens of work, and mm-hmm. to get something looking like that, forget the money, mm-hmm. just the amount of manpower and man hours to complete a build, to complete something, there's just an astounding amount of work. And so we're walking outside looking at all these huge lifted trucks, and there's yeah. there's a slight yeah, yeah. glaze in my eyes. And I, I, I told Chance, Chance was with us, and you know I said, if I walk down that row, it's going to be just like everything that I'm currently seeing. So why don't we skip that? <laughs> yeah. But we're wondering, yeah. this particular truck was unbelievable. The top of the tire was taller than the hood of the Jeep next to it. And the hood of the Jeep was a lifted Jeep. <laughs> Where you and I stand, we could walk underneath the <laughs> chassis just just full height. It's craziness. So here's the ridiculous part. We're thinking, where do you drive this truck? What do you do with it? Mm-hmm. Well, the answer is you back it off the trailer. Mm-hmm. You drive it to the corner at the show that you're exhibiting at. <laughs> you take the photos. Yeah. And then you drive it back onto the trailer and yeah. take it back to the shop where it lives. That's Excellent all point. you do because yeah. they're too heavy. They'll sink into mud. You don't want them off-road. You yeah. don't want any of that. Real off-roaders will scoff and laugh at some of these mm-hmm. wheel and tire combinations. Oh, I don't even need to be a real, real off-loader. I will sco- scoff at some of those <laughs> wheel and tire combinations. There was a company there, and I don't remember their name, and that's probably good because I don't want to give them like a, a counterproductive shout-out. They had what they claimed were off-road wheels, uh-huh. and they were probably 30s, and each wheel must have weighed 150 pounds. Forget the tire. All this unsprung weight to these things. And, and there was no upgrade to the brakes, and so it was just like no no off-roader on the planet. And then you have – I mean, this is a, a huge tire, bigger than like – picture a huge round coffee table, bigger than that, okay? Yeah. And yet yeah. I kept thinking, in spite of that, you don't have a whole lot of sidewall on that tire. Like, like the guys that are heavy-duty in Moab – their, their rims are barely better, bigger than a dinner plate, and the whole rest of it is tire. This is the other end of the spectrum. You're claiming to be off-road wheels. Very weird. All right, some notable things. The first one is this elephant engine, or the elephant uh-huh. 426 yeah. Hemi, Hemi yeah. which is essentially a 7-liter engine, 4, mm-hmm. 426 cubic inches yeah. that Mopar has released with 1,000 horsepower, 950 pound-feet of torque. And what's so funny about this is we met the guy who works at the company that is the tier one supplier to mm-hmm. FCA, to yeah. Mopar, yeah, yeah. for parts. Mm-hmm. And they supply all of the Hellcat engines, so they do all of the superchargers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They're actually a turbo company, but he said, unbeknownst to most people, they're supplying all the superchargers for mm-hmm. all these cars. Yeah, yeah. And he said... He, he desperately wanted to tell us more, which is we really funny. We met him the day of the big reveal, and he told us about every little piece you possibly could say without actually telling us this is exactly what's happening. Thank he was so excited. Here's the reveal. You guys should come by the booth at 4.26 p.m. because we're going to reveal something. If you put two and two together, 
we're going to reveal something big at 426. <laughs> he kept saying that. But, but, uh, but hang on. Hang on. The thing that makes me laugh about this is this is an established company now selling a 1,000-horsepower crate motor. This is how obscene (laughs) the horsepower wars have become. Let your imagination run wild now. American racing headers already dumped the Hellcat engine into a Prius last year. Yes, true. They've tracked it and raced it and done the things that you do with a Hellcat-powered Prius. 1,000-horsepower crate motor. Yeah. because Essentially because we can. It's not necessary. It, 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 no, there's not a car out there that desperately needs it, and yet we're all going to sit around in our free time and think about, what could I put that in? Wouldn't that be fun? Um, something else that actually was kind of cool that you and I began to have a bit more appreciation was these campers, off-road campers. Yeah, yeah, yeah And sure. one company we ran into, I took some photos. It was Patriot Campers, hadn't heard of them. And these are essentially trailers that you tow behind your rig, your pickup truck, whatever. And they don't look like an RV. They look like a utility they're trailer. This, yeah, they're this yeah. compact yeah. thing. And then once you open it up, the tent pops out of the top. You didn't know that was going to happen. And, and everything is utilized. The space efficiency is better than a boat. Yeah. And it's astounding. And so they have these special swivel hitches that will, you know, give you their articulation for off-road travel mm-hmm. and all this stuff, you know, because a regular hitch, I mean, even though I'm sure people have done it, you want the extra articulation because you don't want your camper sliding down the hill when you're traveling yeah. off-road. Well, and these these but are very built cool. for, very yeah, these are built for serious off-roading. I mean, they had more than two feet worth of ground clearance. And yeah, you're, talk, you're talking about the swivel hitch. I mean, that would go anywhere. As long as your, your tow vehicle can go there, the trailer can go too. I mean, you can take the cooler full of steaks and fish and all this stuff. Bring it. Yeah. You're out in the middle of nowhere. And it's it's almost like car camping at the next level <laughs> because you're even further away from yeah. the humanity of, yeah. you know, all the slots in the car park of the campground that you're yeah. at. And you're That's way worst, out actually, there. Yeah. But it's it brings all the amenities with mm-hmm. you. And mm-hmm. I'm having this appreciation for it. For you sure. Know, yeah. Still want an earth roamer. and. I I was liking some things. It was it was very different. It was it was touching some different parts of my car love. Yeah. It was it's really it's in that that part of you that likes the post apocalyptic things. I uh, do. Some, some part funny. of you is is actually like secretly shopping for the zombie apocalypse, and none of us know why. Maybe you know something I don't. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> but yes, otherwise there was just general craziness and supercars galore and drifting galore. And we were watching the Roush truck and Mustangs go drifting and spinning. You could mm-hmm. get a ride in those. Kia had their Telluride out there. They're introducing their yeah, new SUV, yeah. Stinger Rides. There were multiple tracks set up around the convention center for yeah. different types of companies and, and vehicles. It was crazy. And I have to say, this made me laugh. We had a meeting with our contacts at Discovery because, of course, they were there. Mm-hmm, of course, the mm-hmm. Discovery is now – Velocity is being rebranded as the Motor Trend Network. If you didn't know that, surprise, Velocity is becoming Motor Trend Network. Yeah. And so they're trying to figure out how to do all that. So we had a meeting with the Discovery Channel and our contacts over there. And I'm not kidding you when I say our meeting was ended when the drifting started outside. <laughs> when the drifting you know. started, we all kind of went, well, okay, this meeting's over. Nobody can hear anything anymore. Well, I guess we're done. Good to meet you guys. Good to see you. Thanks exactly. for being here. Yeah. I mean, Continental, they had their big track set up, busily converting all their products into mm-hmm. noise and smoke with yes. a fleet of BMW M3s, yes. F80 M3s. Mm-hmm. So you could pack the car full of people and, you know, everybody's hanging out yeah, for of sure. the car. It actually reminded me of some of those videos you've seen in Arab countries, you know, where they're it does look hanging like out that. of the cars, yeah. drifting, doing all this stuff. Yeah. and. I think it's probably for a lot of people first time ever being in a car that's drifted without question. You can tell by how they're hanging on to the handles in the back that this is not a normal experience for most of those people. So SEMA is wonderfully nuts. Uh, it was cool to be there again, and also sometimes you just walk by some of the stuff and you just you, for the next three or four booths you don't see anything because you're just shaking your head about I just saw that. That yeah. just happened. You honestly become numb to things because yeah. then you turn the corner and the next crazy lifted, there's two snowmobiles on the back of that huge lifted pickup truck along with an ATV. There was another Jeep on the back of a Dodge Ram lifted. <laughs> what? Well, think about the largest one of those Polaris uh, four-seater, everybody strapped in off-road family ATVs. Think about the largest one you can think of of that. Yeah. Now that, inexplicably driven up ramps into the back of a pickup bed where the front wheels are actually over the <laughs> cab of the pickup and then the pickup's been jacked up and the whole thing's been painted camo and by the way that's all we have in this room i continue to ask why do i not see these trucks i now live in a state where these trucks apply and i never <laughs> see them driving around no, they're too shiny they're too perfect yeah one nick in those rims you're crying in your soup and 
I just the amount of money and time into it's these shocking. things, yeah. and then I want to see him out there. But then there are the section of vehicles that are okay. These are true off-road people. Yeah. These are like you those know, trailers, small wheels yeah. with the big tires because that's what real off-roaders do. And, yeah, you know that kind of thing. It's very funny, very interesting. So we are finishing up with that, which is actually related to the reason we go to SEMA. Honestly, is because we hang out with not only obviously we had a meeting with Discovery, but we hang out with the sponsors for our TV show, right? Like right. Covercraft and Grios. We went to both of them because they're already on. For for season four, which is great, and thank you guys. Yeah, we have we're more thrilled. coming. We're, but we're able to actually see sponsors from all over the nation that we've only talked to on the phone. We can meet them, have face to face conversations, which is really cool. Which is why we go. Yeah, it's a so wide variety are, of sponsors and, and people there. It's too. very it's, cool. So we're amazing. back from that now. We're thinking about season four a lot, but that brings up this reality. Season two has just gone to. I may have to explain this. Has just gone to free on Amazon Prime. <laughs> if you have Amazon Prime, you have access to Amazon. Video. Explain it in movie terms, I guess. That's, yes, that's that, helpful. That, that's fair. To but, but if you have way. Amazon Prime, you have access to Amazon Video, which feels kind of like Netflix, where I paid a fee and now I can get all this free stuff. You can, but unlike Netflix, the stuff that came out last week, like the latest Avengers film, let's say. Right, right. If that came out on video last week, you can get it right now on Amazon. Now it's not free. It won't be on Netflix for six months or whatever, but you can pay for it now, rental or buy, and you can get access to that right now. Like, for example, I have a nine-year-old. We just bought Incredibles 2. Of course you did. Now, five years from now, Incredibles 2 will be free on Prime. But sure. right now, I had to pay for it. Sure. Because, well, of course, maybe a year from now, it might. You it know. might be. So we're going to watch it into, into oblivion. So, of course, when we saw it was there, my wife just went, we're just going to have to buy that, aren't we? I went, yeah, probably. So there's that. <laughs> but but in a similar vein, in that means... In addition to your subscription. Exactly. Your annual, so, so, yeah. so that means that, that the older stuff, though, obviously all eventually becomes free on Prime. Our first season, and now, here's the announcement, our second season are now free on Prime. Our second season is nearly a year old, so it's actually gone to free on Prime. Season three is still available, and season four is coming soon. So that's pretty cool. Crazy enough. Well, please rate and review the podcast as you are inclined, and rate and review the show, too, on IMDb. All of that helps. All of it Because does. if you didn't know, Amazon owns IMDb outright now, and so they use that as the rating system, and you can't actually do it on your TV. You'll see a... a you know, whatever it is, a movie, a show, and you'll see the star, you'll see that rating, yeah. but you can't actually do it there. So you have to log in wherever you're at and give the ratings there, which is a different way of doing it. You're but probably logged into Amazon somehow anyway, as you listen to this I podcast. I suppose you it's, are, they, yes. They rule us all pretty much, yeah. I suppose so. Well, guys, we've got a couple of great debates here for you. We've got Patrick M. in central Nebraska, who is saying he's currently marooned in central Nebraska. Longtime <laughs> listener. Hi, Patrick. How are you, man? He writes into us, and we've also, after the break, we've got Derek M. somewhere in Illinois, somewhere in the suburbs of Illinois. I don't know if that means he's lost or just doesn't want to tell us for sure, but either way, <laughs> there he is. Kind of both, maybe. I, I'm not sure. And he's really asking, what is the best mix of cars mm -hmm. for the enthusiast? But there's some things that I want to unpack and explore here because I'm confused by some of Derek's email here, but okay. we'll get to that okay. in just a Good. minute after the break. But we do want to start out with Patrick's email here, which is lengthy. Yes, <laughs> many, many scrolls were injured in the process of this email. Yeah, there's, yeah, a, there's a lot of he, – he gives us some high points, which was helpful. Thank you. And then from there, you kind of went into to current cars and car background. And we go for a while. Um, we are actually – what I take away from this is we're actually taking two cars that he likes. Yeah. Getting yeah. rid of both in an attempt to find something else. Yes, and it is important to hear the background on this because it does influence our decision-making mm -hmm. for Patrick here. And the background here is the fleet, the fleet that he currently has, a 2011 Honda Odyssey with 95,000 miles, which he and his wife purchased brand new. He said, that's off limits. It's going nowhere because being <laughs> married with three little girls under the age of nine, there's no better tool for the job. I'm inclined to agree with you, Patrick. Yeah. I mean, as much as, I mean, you clearly are an enthusiast based on the rest of your garage, but I see you have bought a, a, a utility appliance and it works wonderfully at its job at Automotive Toaster with fantastic doors. <laughs> and, and, and I see it. So there it is. That stays there. That not, doesn't go anywhere. There are two fun other cars, though. Yes, he's got two black cars. One's a 98 BMW M3, so E36 M3. Mm -hmm. Second gen M3, yeah. Five speed, 135,000 miles. He's owned it for about two years, and he says, this car is spectacular. It's tasteful. It's a rare unicorn in the E36 world. He loves it. Mm -hmm. The other is also a black 93 Mercedes 300E 2.8, 65,000 miles, which is actually pretty low miles Very for those low cars. For that mileage, for and that he says, year, yeah. yes, the cliche drives like a bank fault. It drives solidly, like 
things that are solid. But here's what's interesting about this combination of cars. The M3 drives wonderfully, but is really difficult to take on a road trip because it's he's got it set up so it's so hardcore, it's kind of hard to take a road trip in. Well, yeah. And then the yeah. Mercedes is the opposite. It's not, I mean, it drives fine, but it's not an enthusiast, uh, high-strung car. But man, is it nice to road trip in. Yeah, he's saying an eight-hour drive in the M3 is almost unbearable for he and his wife in northwest Arkansas. You know, he's saying, we love to drive to the beautiful Ozark roads there, but unbearable because of the seats, because Mm -hmm. just the general nature of how high-strung the car is, as you're saying. And he says, the interior is great shape, but it's the classic cheap and... You know, not very well put together plastics in there. So <laughs> that was not that was okay. not the best plastic years for BMW. Honestly, no, yeah. not really. But that does mean E36 M3s are pretty affordable. I mean, they for a very, rough one, yeah. four grand. We're talking yeah. rough. Uh, yeah, I hear you. But for a decent one, ten, fifteen, twenty oh, will get you a really nice. Twenty one. gets you the best one in the world. I mean, yeah. ten is like the shopping range for the E36 M3 for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I still come back to those cars, even though they're not the picks of the m3 world you want to wait for the e46 but but that's affordable on the other hand still all right so he's on to the mercedes here and he says this is a joy it does what it does it's designed for the cruising thing but the transmission ruins it because all the excitement that the engine has (laughs) is neutered by these huge gaps in the gear ratios he says that hurts acceleration but on the other hand it makes for great cruising at the high speeds yeah and you know so that's the car obviously that they like to take So now he comes to this point where he says, all right, I'm looking for a better combination of these cars' best attributes Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for a budget of $20,000 to $25,000, preferably two cars. But he said, if you can find a sniper shot that covers all the bases, then fire away. We're talking handling. We're talking manual transmission, Mm rear-wheel drive, mm -hmm. comfortable on road trips. He loves small cars that handle well. He says, I want this engaging experience. Power is less important than that. But he loves that smooth comfort of the Mercedes, but he needs more excitement out of the car, which is why he keeps the M3. Mm-hmm. Now we come to the twist. It has to do with finances. Okay. Yeah. He says, well, he and his wife are on track to have zero debt in seven years. That's impressive. Wrote into the wrong podcast. Wait, no, what? <laughs> Especially with a family, a growing family, your shampoo bills are going to be high with three girls. Well, four girls in the family. I mean, come on. My shampoo bills are pretty low on the other hand. (laughs) But just that alone, really? Zero debt? No, I I kid. However, they're looking at that and he says, no more, Paul, no more than 25 Mm -hmm. because they're looking at this plan, which Mm -hmm. kudos to you guys. For sure. For sure. This is excellent. And if you can pull that off, fantastic. So how do you do this, being an enthusiast, Mm -hmm. on a budget, combining all these refined European things that he loves about these two cars, still wanting two other cars, but then he comes to this last sentence in here and saying, I'm considering keeping the current fleet and just letting them climb in value. It's not my favorite option, but it might be the smartest option. Yeah, but... Debatable. It's a dice roll on are those going to actually climb in value. That's where I the rub is. Yes. Best case scenario, best case scenario, those two specific cars don't lose anymore. I don't think either <laughs> of them are going to gain. I don't think they're going to gain. They might gain, Patrick, but they don't. I don't think they're going to gain what you think they will. I, I don't think it's going to gain to a situation where you're, I'm awfully glad I kept this. Yeah. Like. Both of them together are not going to be worth $50,000. No. They won't, no. might not be worth forty together combined. So then you have to factor in, all right, seven years from now, you're debt-free. Let's say that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These cars are seven years older from where they are now. With seven years more mileage, even if it's not yeah. a lot, but seven years more mileage. Correct. The Odyssey is thoroughly beat into a pulp. It is Odyssey dust is now in the driveway. By one or possibly two of your daughters. Yes, has dents on both sides, uh-huh. but it's still an Odyssey, and the doors work. Yeah, right. And yeah, you've got drivers coming down the mm-hmm. down the road there. You've you've got girls wanting to drive, and then you're going to be thinking about you want something safe. 
and reliable and all that stuff. Do you consider both the hot sports cars that you have now? I say hot, but you know what I mean? Yeah, the European sure, cars sure. you have now, do, yeah, yeah. would you put your daughters in those cars? Mm. Or are they for you and your wife to enjoy because you love the cars? Mm. Mm. But then you think down the road, am I going to need to trade up? Am, am I going to get Corollas and Camrys and Civics and just yeah. Mazda yeah. 3s for the girls? Whatever that is, used, of course. But then are you... Are they going to be worth enough then, what you think they will then, to be able to sell them and get something for you? Your wife's still driving the trashed Odyssey, <laughs> and you need it's the Mad Max Odyssey at now. At yeah. least one car for the first two girls to share. Probably. I mean, here's the other thing: that the, he got ruined at one point, and I hate to say this, but poor Patrick got ruined at one point. He bought a 911 SC. Yes, he did, and he sold it. For ten grand more than he bought it for, <laughs> Patrick, this is not a lifestyle. This is an anomaly. And I'm, you did I'm, it honestly, in the right time period, honestly, too. because the balloon part of the nine elevens is actually a little bit behind us now. They're still, I would argue, more expensive than they should be. I agree, but, but we're we're past the peak. But we're I feel. past the major peak. It was three or four years ago when it was at, at its absolute peak. When we did our fifty years of nine eleven film, it was had almost reached the peak, but it was still going up. And I think it's gone over the peak and come down a bit now. Yeah, yeah. You've said that made you really intrigued. And I see, you know, you're trying to be financially smart. That made you really intrigued about having another car that gains in value. Patrick, I'm going to say it to you. Get that right out of your mind right now. Because yeah. that is yeah. such an anomaly and is such a dice roll, especially if you're not buying something that is already very expensive and a one-off and special because of whatever. Okay. These two cars you have, I hate to say it, they're not unique enough to go back up. They're not. I don't so think So if are. you can get money out of now, get money out of them now. Now, you said you like small cars. You'd like to have another uh, small rear-wheel drive car. You drove a Mazda RX-8 a while back, loved it, felt like it was the one car for everything, but you're terrified of that engine reliability, so I'm going to step away from that. You really like Miatas. I'm going to follow that path for a minute, but we're kind of shopping for two cars, one that is the more usable car and one that is the more fun car with 25 at the most. I think the cars in your garage right now go. I, I, I see you say st leave the Odyssey. Okay, all right, fine. The other two, I think, need to go. They're not going to be worth any more than they are right now. Let's get something else or two somethings else. And I have three pairs for you. Three pairs? Yes. Six cars? Yes. But the, but I put them in pairs. You can mix and match, but I put them in Interesting. pairs. Interesting. Patrick, I have one car for you. You're kidding. Well done. I say sell both of them, and I am stepping up for your challenge. I'm, I'm hoping this will fit the one car does it all that these two do for you. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping it does. All righty. What is it? I'm also under your budget. No kidding. I, I'm working on Patrick's goal of zero debt here. Wow. But I want to come back to his comment about being marooned in central Nebraska. And what he yeah. means there is service. He's had to learn to do everything himself, whether it's mm -hmm. a Bosch fuel injection on an old 91 Volvo 740 turbo yeah, yeah. wagon that he had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever it is, mm -hmm. he's got to actually dig in, roll up his sleeves, and kind of do that because it seems like service and what he will need for these cars just isn't available. Mm -hmm. So I went way newer for you, Patrick. Okay. Way newer. Okay. I say sell the car. We've got 25. And I went and found you a 2015 BMW M235i with 36,000 miles okay. for 25.5. Wow. 25,523, well which means you know they'll take 25 on the button. It's a smallish car like mm -hmm. you like. Yeah. It's yeah. manual. It's modern. It's fast. It's comfortable. Yeah. All of those things. Great power. It can be beat on. Ask us about the pilgrimage trip and everybody we put <laughs> yeah. in those cars RSR on the ring and spa. runs a fleet of them all day, every day. Yeah. Now, they're Good serviced you know, into oblivion because everybody's yeah. beating on them. But, yeah. wow, they're just seeming to run and mm -hmm. willing to take the abuse. This has a gray exterior, red interior at EMJ, EMG Auto Sales in Avenel, New Jersey. They have it ready, waiting for you, my friend. I'll bet wow. you they might even take less than 25. But let's say it's 25. Think about what this car can do. Mm -hmm. It's got back mm -hmm. seats. It's got a real trunk. Mm -hmm. It's going to be comfortable for the Ozark road trips. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's a manual transmission, and it's going to be modern enough with low enough miles seven years from now. Mm. It's, mm -hmm. it's not going to be, well, I mean, it'll be a new-ish, modern-ish car, but seven years from now, it's not that in that category anymore. Sure. Fair. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just thinking having this one car 
because you're going to be adding cars when the girls start driving. Yeah, for sure. And when you get the Jones in for something else at that point and yeah. some other cool hatch has come out onto the market and they're now used and I'm thinking long yeah. term for you. I hate to say but I think Patrick's shopping for other things between now and that seven year mark. <laughs> I, I do too. But I, but I take your point. That's You've, done really You've done very well. That's what I'm trying to really back off and yeah. consolidate and I thought I wonder if the M235 235i is going to do this. If mm-hmm. There's not many for sale. I found four for sale manuals. Okay. There's others yeah. with a DCT. Mm-hmm. But with the manual transmission I found four in my it's search a, so far. It's a good manual too. Yeah. Love it, and I think it does combine the long-distance cruise thing that you mm-hmm. love about the Mercedes, and it's got the BMW fun that you love about your current E36. I see it. I see it. And yeah. it's kind of E36-sized. Yeah, it is. It kind is. It's of. close to that. Yeah, for that sure. That E36 wasn't a big car. Sure. Yeah. So I'm I'm leaning on that for you as a, I think you need to really consider this. Okay. I, I really do, because... Again, think about two cars. That's two insurance policies for both those cars. It is, yeah. Whatever they are. But I'm eager to hear what you've come up with because it might be worth it. I've got pairs. I've got three pairs. And you can mix and match, but I've got three pairs. One of the big things you said is if it's not a Chevy product, you're going to have trouble getting it worked on locally. I hear you. I get it. So you're going to have to work on it yourself. So I thought about that. I also thought about let's make the, the small car of the equation a genuinely fun car. Uh, just let's take this out for fun. And if you end up in a world where you drive to a fun road, you can do that. If you wind up somehow finding track experience or autocross or whatever, you could do that with these cars. And I've got a second car for you that can, you know what? If you need to pick up the girls, you can. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, uh, and you, if you need to drive for a few hours, you can do that too. So my first pair, my favorite pair, because you, Patrick, said you like the Miata and you realize you get an NC for your budget. Yes, you can. I'm shopping roughly, not on the nose, but roughly twelve grand per car here, okay, is the allotted budget for each of the Yeah, hats. right, right. Get yourself an NC. That's a third-gen Miata, but get the power retractable hardtop. Mm. Makes it much more versatile, makes it much more road trip worthy. It's a perfectly good car. Get that in manual. You don't see those around that often. You don't get a ton, often. but at twelve grand you can find one. Oh, easy. So NC, third gen Miata, power retractable hardtop, and for your your bigger car, not a manual, but I'm going there anyway, the Pontiac G eight. Interesting. Probably will be in the V six. I doubt you're gonna be in the GXP V eight for twelve grand. But the V six Sure. And it's a Chevy sure. product underneath. You need to get that worked on. Hi, would you please work on my Chevy parts car? It's true. You don't have to wrench that car at all. And the Miata is just going to run. That yeah. NC Miata is just going to run. So there's that. My first alt. Okay. C4 Corvette. <laughs> Ten grand all day long. <laughs> Ten grand all day long. All day long. You're right. And For nice. And ones. that car can lope along if you want to take a long road trip. Mm-hmm. Is it a nice interior? No, it's not. It's a plastic disaster. But at the same time... <laughs> Is that this, a band name? It should be. That's a that's an 80s band name. Plastic, plastic disaster. disaster. I love it. They opened for Devo. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. But, but C4 <laughs> Corvette, you can get one for cheap. You can get parts for cheap. It will just run. It will be fast. They are decently fun to drive. C4 Corvette. Okay, I want to hear your other pairing before I ask my question. Okay. But go ahead. For the for the more normal car of the group, still isn't normal. I still went nuts. Mazda Speed Three. <laughs> Get one of those for less than fifteen for twelve grand. Six speed manual. It's it's the definition of torque steer. It's uh-huh. got good back seats, a worthwhile hatch. You can hoon around with your girls in that car. There's the, another pairing. The burnouts are coming out of the front end of that isn't car. Isn't that fun? Yeah, exactly. And then my last pair. I'm still shopping this twelve grand per car. Get yourself a first gen Porsche Boxster. You like the Miata, okay. same money, you can get yourself a first-gen Porsche Boxster. Okay, 986. There, there may be some like maintenance catch-up you have to do on that car, mm-hmm. but there's a ton of information out there and parts to get those first-gen Boxsters dialed. Okay, We had one actually coming up for season four, and the whole time we were, sh- were shooting it, the owner was looking at 101 things to do to your Boxster, this big tome of stuff you could do yourself <laughs> to just exactly. dial that car in. So there's one of those. Exactly. And then you can get yourself... That Acura TL we like, that late 2000s, like oh, the 04 to 08. That's just going to run. Those just run, and they are genuinely fun to drive, front-wheel drive sedans, and they're good-looking. They've aged very well, less than twelve grand for one of those. I've given you six cars, three pairs, Patrick. Something's got to work. That's impressive. I do like that, but my question is, he's a long-term car owner kind of a person. Yes. That's kind of what I'm gathering here. Yes. The middle pairing that you suggested, mm-hmm. that C4 Corvette, which is fast, yeah, 
and the Mazda Speed 3, mm-hmm. the girls are going to want those cars. Possibly. Patrick, do you see your girls rocking the Corvette when they're 16? Well, but... Your oldest? Here's the thing. My nine-year-old really, really hopes I... I mean, he hasn't said this, but I know what he's thinking. <laughs> Let's hope the Lotus is around long enough I can drive it. I don't think that's happening, son. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't think any of these cars are going to survive that transition for Patrick. I really don't. You know, he's going to have the story like you do with your dad's Jag E-Type growing up. Mm-hmm. He's going to have that same story about my dad had a Lotus Elise... When I was growing up. And he sold it. That idiot. <laughs> You're right. You're right. He won. What was he thinking? I'll have to get or him in one anyway. Or he raffled it. Or whatever I'll have to get him in one anyway. That's, that no is longer funny. in our lives. You're right. You're Why right. didn't he keep that car? Same kind of thing. You're right. My dad had a British car. You're doing it <laughs> to your own son. I'm my father. That's not good news. I digress. Yeah, that is, that is just, terrible. I'm okay. wondering about point. all that power because if you do keep those cars, then yeah, Patrick, you're going to be shopping for more cars and... <clears throat> Mm-hmm. That might happen. Yeah, but if you can pull it off, great. <laughs> I think I think he's shopping for more cars anyway. Between now and the next seven years, too. I think that's happening. I think he is too. Uh, yeah, insurance policies on those cars they they might be decent for him, but then yeah, the, you're not going to be handing down the C4 Corvette to there's, a 16 year old. There's nothing you can give to a 16 year old, and the insurance is affordable. It's no, just, the only thing you can give them is like a skateboard. Here's a there, there, here's a car with a really high strung turbo and a lot of torque steer. I'm going to give you the app Here, for honey. a bird scooter. Congratulations, you're now driving. That's the only thing that is cheap for insurance for the 16. Those in downtown Salt Lake, they're everywhere. They are. The the bird people and the just lime leave scooters. them on street corners and park them nicely too. That's how that's supposed to be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. in LA, they're burning them and throwing them into the ocean. It's all about volume and then yeah. making Instagram feeds about them. But yeah, why not? You yeah. know. <laughs> They're all over Salt Lake now. All right, Patrick, you've got some decision-making to do. I went one direction, just one car. Todd gave you a plethora. It's madness. This is what we do. <laughs> if you've got your own car debate with twists and turns like Patrick, please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, or on the website, you go to everydaydriver.com, and under the About tab, top right corner, you can see Contact. Mm-hmm. And contact us there. Many of you do. Thank you so much. Yes. And while you're there, check out the brand new Everyday Driver store. Yeah. Everything in one place. All of our movies, the TV seasons are all there, plus gear we use to shoot the show, movies we talk about, Paul's design discussion books, other random things like tire cradles if you park your car all winter. We're using our own stuff and then other stuff we've talked about that you may go, where do I find that? You can find it now from the Everyday Driver store right there on the store tab. It's very cool. We'll take a short break. We'll be right back. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with the term MSRP. You might even know what that stands for, but do you know what it actually means? And how about invoice or list price or dealer price? It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something. Introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even arrive at the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of your house. How do you know if your true price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for the same car you want. And your certified dealer knows this. So they'll set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features are not available in all states. Hey, we've got to talk about Amsoil. You know why we like Amsoil? Because they're a bunch of car people. They're gearheads. They're into all kinds of power sports and cars, and they get it. Amsoil has created a guide to increasing horsepower in your vehicle. It's insider tips from some of the best in the business on coaxing more power out of your engine. You can get your copy for free at amsoil.com driver. Plus, you can learn how the Amsoil Signature Series synthetic motor oil delivers 75% more engine protection against horsepower loss and wear than is required by the industry standard. So don't forget, go to amsoil.com slash driver to get your free insider's guide to increasing horsepower. Derek M. is somewhere deep in Illinois, in the suburbia land <laughs> He's of Illinois. He's lost in the jungles of Illinois. <laughs> Does Illinois have jungles? Someone save him. No, it doesn't. That, that's what makes this I think fun. he's writing to be saved because he's writing to us with another mix. Mm-hmm. And there's some clarification that maybe you've kind of read between the lines here, but I'm, okay. I'm a little confused by somewhere in here. I'll get to that in a minute. But what he writes to us with is the single car. And the dilemma is he's always been a buy one car that can do everything because, sadly enough, he and his fiance can only drive one car at a time. Used to have a motorcycle and a car because it costs nothing to keep a motorcycle. Just but about, yeah. Out in the jungles of Illinois, the weather is either too <laughs> hot or too cold to get rid of the motorcycles. 
Oh, so he did get rid of the motorcycles, yeah. and after a couple of years, he had a no, a couple of Kawasaki's like that. Yeah, uh, very cool. I'm a Kawasaki alum myself. Honda CBR 250. And then he begins his history, driving his parents' Toyota Senior van, mm-hmm. and then an 04 Scion TC, a 2010 Kia Forte EX, that at the time, he said, would was best in class everything, horsepower, interior space, and features. So he sold it and got another one, <laughs> which was a mistake, apparently. Thought it was going to be better. Wasn't better. So yeah. I thought it would be fun, but it wasn't. 20000 out the door, so he sold that. And he has landed on a 2013 Ford Focus RS no, with the Blue Bricaros. not RS. You're right. Focus Sorry. ST. I was, I'm reading Blue Bricaros, and I'm thinking RS. Yes, that's I'm thinking fair. of that that's logo fair. on the back of the car. Twenty five grand out the door. So he still has the Focus ST. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, you can blame Carlos Lago for this. Yes. Well, cool. yeah. They're cool cars. He now has 55,000 miles on that ST, and he tracks it. Uh, let's say a half dozen times a year, three to five times a year for sure, maybe a little bit more. He has a full separate set of wheels, but also a full separate set of rotors and pads. So he redoes all four paws before he went, does, mm-hmm. does a track day. And he's learned he has to take them back off. I've done this too. Because the last thing you want on the planet is track pads on your street car because now you are <laughs> that guy that squeals everywhere and annoys yourself and everyone around you. You're so going to get the looks. He does trade Not all that way. out. Yeah, exactly. He does trade all that out. But that's making him go, okay, I'd kind of like a new experience. i kind of like a new track experience, ideally rear-wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Can I still get the one car or should I specialize now? And get something for tracking and something for commuting. Yes, and that's where my confusion comes into play here. Because okay. he's always been the buy one car, do it all. And that's yes. what he's asking. Yes. He wants one car to do it all. Yet the options that he gives us start out because he just sold his condo. He lives with his fiance, And he's got a 40000 budget, not including the Focus ST, mm-hmm. which could be traded for twelve or sold for fifteen, which bumps his budget to fifty five grand. Yeah. Now... He says that's the overall budget for one car or two cars, but I don't know where they've got the availability to park them. Well, here's how I read this. I see your confusion, but here's how I read this. He recently moved in with his fiance. This has changed his parking situation. Before that, he only Probably had so, yeah. one availability for one car. Sure. This is where the new flexibility comes from, is that move he's recently made. Probably so. That's I think how right. I read this. And, and it, sure. isn't, it isn't as clear as it could be. I, I agree with that. But that's what I read into this. And so my feeling is, okay, if, if Derek says I can now handle two cars, then I'll let him worry about where he parks them. Fair enough. So so he wants Fair that enough. track car. And he's also saying he has a car that, look, he, he likes to walk if he can for his commute. But every now and then – oh, no, sorry. That was a different one. Sorry. His daily commute is 16 miles. Yes, right. Daily commute right. is 16 miles, but not more than that. He puts between ten and 15,000 miles a year on a car. Okay? Yeah. So that's what we're dealing with. We are dealing with a 16-mile commute, which is not a, not a huge commute, by the way, which has made him look at, wait a minute, should one of these be an electric car? He does th- bring that up and out of these four options here. with a gas track car, which I like. It's very interesting. I have, uh, I have two options for electric cars and three for possible track cars, and you may even have money left over. Well, we're in money-saving mode over here. Four options from Derek. He says, do I keep the Focus ST? And that's my daily still. Mm -hmm. And then he gets a Miata or an 86 to be the track car. That's a valid option. That's a great way to go. No, it's perfectly good. I mean, that actually frees up a lot of budget for tires (laughs) and maintenance and other stuff that you're going to want to do. You might investigate suspension over time as you get more into track. If you have a dedicated track car, I guarantee you're going to get more into it. You're going to want to get your money out of it and use it. So that is a very valid option. I do like that. And then as you said, this electric car thinking has crept into the equation where mm-hmm. he says, sell the Focus ST, get an electric car as the daily. And he names, think of the electric cars on your mind. List. Leafs. The list. Bolts. Model 3s. Model S's. E-Golfs. You name it. Yes. And then also, again, buy a Miata or an 86. Mm-hmm. Who was it that was telling us the, the acronym? Was it you? The, the M-I-A-T-A? Yes. Miata is always the answer. Yes, there it exists. I did not make this up. It yeah. just exists. There it is. Yep. All right. So he's actually leaning towards this option because he, you know he's dealing the electric and then he's got the cheap track car. Mm-hmm. Okay. Third option, sell the Focus ST for something large and in charge. ATS-V with a manual, Camaro SS1LE, Chevy SS manual. Mm-hmm. He brings up the BMW M2 manual. Within his budget of 50 grand, certainly used ones at this point, yeah. He's now talking Corvettes, mm-hmm. even though he's only driven the ATS-V automatic and a 2 Series and automatic. Well, 
All You're bringing up the cool. big boys now. All of those are really cool, I have to admit. Yep. Then the fourth option here is, again, sell the Focus ST. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to sell the Focus ST. And then, you know, the electric car and buy any of the above. It's the mix and match option. This yeah. is yeah. go nuts mm-hmm. option, essentially. Yep. yep. So the criteria is rear-wheel drive, manual, blue paint. <laughs> okay. All right. Heated and cooled seats. That's the hard part. This is important. That's the hard part. Fun to drive, track focus, decent interior, somewhat cheap to maintain. The consumables, as you know. The track consumables can be high, yes. Yeah. And uh, because of the commute, 16 miles, and he only puts down ten to 15,000 mile, miles a year. The heated and cooled seats is where I may have failed this. Because a lot of the electric cars aren't that good at that. The heated, cooling thing heated, more yes, so than the heated seats. Cooled is the problem. Yeah, that's heated is generally problem. pretty common in electric cars because it's it's actually cheaper to heat your body than it is to heat the entire cabin in a winter day, which is why they did that. The cooled seats is less common. Uh-huh, okay, yeah. so that's the struggle there. But I'm still going to give you two options for roughly fifteen grand or less for an electric car, and the rest of the budget can go to a track car of your choice. I've got three for you that I want to really recommend. Okay. On electric cars, again, I'm saying 15 grand or less, shop the BMW i3. This is a $45,000 rear-wheel drive electric car that the first gen have plummeted. They've plummeted mainly because they don't have great range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you need 16 miles of commute. They've got like 80, 90 miles worth of range. You can do your commute down and back and have range left over. Mm, I like that. So that gets it solved. If you want less range anxiety, you want a newer car, you could shop a newer Chevy Volt used for roughly fifteen grand and find those. And then that car, if you want to keep driving it beyond the electric range, it just works. Sure. Yeah. So those are my electric options for you keeps you out of the plastic disaster that is I'm staying with that. It's a really fun 80s band. It's, it it works there too. It keeps you out of out of the leaf. You can't I'm not going to have you spend 35 to get a Bolt. The Bolts are cool, but don't spend that much of your money on your electric commute car. No, Just I don't. agree. So that takes the te- the Teslas off. Unless the table, you've got a big commute and it's somebody who really totally different thing. Your totally situation thing. doesn't. No, demand it's, not, this. it's not necessary for Derek. Derek. So, th- so this is the thing: cheap electric commute cars. We've got that solved. I've got three track cars for you that I'm staying with, and these are my only three I'm listing for one main reason. I want you to have rear wheel drive, and I want you to have something that is not known to be a monster on consumables. Mm, sure. I mean, sure. The big, the big, powerful BMW products welcome to tires and brakes every time you do a track day. Pretty much. The the well, ATSV, yeah, the CTSV, same kind of thing. Plus, the ATS and CTSV are known for some overheat issues. You also don't want that. Right, right. So the the largest consumables car I'm going with here is actually the Corvette C7. I'm not going Z06. I'm not going Grand Sport. I'm going straight up C7. Okay. That does not have the possible overheat issues of the Z06. It also doesn't have that monster engine. It's still weighing 3,500 pounds, which is a bit heavy, but it's not known to be the consumable monster that those big BMWs and sedans are. Yeah, okay? fair enough. So there's that. That's the like the highest horsepower, biggest consumable car. The other two, an 86 with or without supercharger, you've got money left over. You could supercharge that car. That car doesn't fly through consumables because it's light, and then I have to go there. You're buying a dedicated track car. You, my friend, should get a Lotus Elise. Hmm. Thirty grand. You can have one. Yes. You know, Derek, if you go 05, Todd went with an 06 because uh, of the seat yeah. upgrade and because of various things. Yeah, I think it was things. the LED rear lights on the, that yes, car. Yes, and it goes and to drive-by-wire throttle. Those are the that three main it. changes. That yeah. was it. If you go 05, I continually come across them for 25 mm-hmm. to 28, somewhere in there. Yeah. You don't have to get an 06. The 2005s yeah. are the same car with the same engine. It's a track car. It's your track car. So yeah. you're not worried about, you know, Todd's actually driving his more. It's a daily. It's a track. It's a, mm-hmm. It's trying to do more. It is more. But for you, this is just the track weapon. And you don't need that stuff. No. Not so at all. why not even go earlier in sure. the release? Sure, sure. Save even more money. Just yeah. saying. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. With 50 grand to spend, mm-hmm. you could get an Elise for 30 all day long. Even in 06, you can get an Elise for 30 all day long. Sell it in a year for 30. But yeah. anyway, get the lease. You've got roughly 20 grand to spend on your electric car. That could get it done. But an 86 mm-hmm. with a supercharger is going to be 30. And a, a C7 Corvette is probably 35 to 40. That's the more expensive one. But the other two are cheap. Yeah, they are. No, I like your list here. And I'm coming to my own with uh, a lot of mixing and matching, Derek. 
Love it. I think you do need to get rid of the Focus ST. You've had it. You've loved it. I think most of your options here, you're saying, how about I get rid of this car? I think it's time. It sounds like yeah. you're just asking for permission to get rid of it. And my friend, you have it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's time. Now, I went big and large to start with, but I'm I'm going to just mention these things, and I'm going to die on this hill. You're a one-car guy, and you're wanting the one car to do it all. Okay. This is why the 911 film was made, my friend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just fair. saying. No, fair. All a right. 997 911 is 50 grand. Yeah, a nice one. Yeah, a good one. Yeah. That's a good point. Pretty low miles. Yep. You can get it in manual. It yep. checks all those boxes, and you can take it to the track. Yeah. That's why 911s exist. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. That is their jam. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I had to bring it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I see that. I'm completely. just saying 911s, but that doesn't really give you the option of getting a commute car. But again, you might not need to. Well, I mean, he was in the single car for the world of the ATSVs and the, the SS and those kind of things. He was in a single car world there. I see it. Yeah. There's, that's a worthwhile argument for sure. I see that all day. Yeah, so I kept going from there, and I liked your Corvette suggestion, but FYI, 2015 Corvette Z06 is $55,000 with 9,000 miles, and it does have cooled and heated seats. Fair point. Fair Just point. saying, that, the Z06, the monster. That is compelling. Talk about something. The only thing you're going to really be paying for is tires on that car. Yes, there will be many tires. Otherwise... Uh, have at it. Mm-hmm. It's going to yeah. run. It's your track monster. It's going to do everything. You might need to invest in the winter wheel and tire set, but once you swallow that. Yeah. And if you're not running like huge, huge sessions, it probably won't overheat. I mean, they've been known for overheating issues in really hot they climates have. for huge, long sessions. They've had some issues. Well, but that's why the Grand Illinois. Sport exists. And everybody says well, the Grand Sport is the sweet spot because it yeah. doesn't have the supercharger, but it has everything else true, that the true, Z06 true. does. I really like the Grand Sport, actually. And therefore, yeah. the heating problem is sort of solved. Do we need 650 horsepower? Need, need uh, and 650 horsepower have never equated. <laughs> Want, sure. Laughing because of, yes. Everybody need, at SEMA would say yes. Need, no. Yeah. But honestly, the Grand Sport is the sweet spot. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. But I'm just saying, Z06s are now 55K, everyone. Unbelievable. I loved your BMW suggestions, and I want to do something mix and match there. But honestly, what I'm coming to is a Volt for you, because Volt's Used to be in the fifteen to seventeen. I bet you could get one for fourteen, fifteen now. Early ones are better part of yeah. They might get one for ten or eleven. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. it's not pure electric, but for no. your commute, yeah. I bet you can get by on electric. Probably, and it's still a real car. You Probably. can take it cross country. You can just yeah. not have the range anxiety that we're still not quite over yet. Yeah, it depends on the car. Yeah. So I'm thinking a used Volt, mm-hmm. and then yeah, let it hang out a little bit, which means, <laughs> my friend, you've got money left over for a Cayman. You've got okay. money left for yeah. a Cayman S, like a 981 Cayman S for yeah. 40 Which you find yourself just driving because. Maybe yeah. a base Cayman. I see it. No, and no, no. maybe you switch off. Maybe you take the Cayman to work. Maybe it just... First-gen Cayman S, he's going to get for 25 oh, to 30 Yeah. And be very happi. I I like the M235i in this equation, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That could be, but Some it's almost options. too nice to be your track car, you know? It's almost... That's also a car that if could do it all. It's yes. almost why, why am I tracking this thing? Why don't I buy a beater? Yeah, but I and I like your suggestions. I like the small light. So I guess I come back to even though I want you to go big, I want you to have a nine eleven and and a Z six or just something as your only. Mm-hmm. I in this situation, I think it almost makes more sense to have a Volt and then go with an eighty six or Miata and spend the rest of that money. Upgrading yourself as a driver, yeah, taking yeah, yeah. lessons, going to track time, and buying tires and mm-hmm. parts and pouring it into that. And Accepting consumables. Saving money. I, yeah. I hate to back away from the M2s. GT350s yeah. can be oh, had yeah. in your budget, oh, yeah. my friend. Be great. But M2s, M235Is, Caymans, and 911s are all in this category. The big, the but, big yeah. usual suspects that but we But consumables love. are a thing. That's the problem. But yeah. I'm backing away from all of that. Hmm. Honestly, okay. I'm saying right. Volt. And a Miata. Okay. I like it. Strange as it I is. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that Miata is going to satisfy so much of what you want is at yeah. the track. Yeah. And the Volt's going to be comfortable and cool and interesting and cheap to I run. Like it. 
Very good. Very good. Derek, hopefully we've found something for you. Let us know if you uh, what you end up with. And again, if you guys have got your own car debate, we are listening. We do read them all, even if we don't cover them all. One of the two of us reads them all when they come in. Thank you for sending them in. We love that. This is what makes the show. We've got more live car debates coming up as well, so please write in across the board. We look forward to covering those. We should do some social media questions. We've got a ton. Absolutely. There's... Uh a bunch in here from BRGZR on Instagram. On the rare occasion when we've been driving at a high rate of speed and you encounter law enforcement, how did you handle the situation and what was the outcome? Well, the outcome is a ticket. The outcome is outgo, as a matter of fact, yes. in the form of money. The pay to play, yes. <laughs> but honestly, with law enforcement, if you're caught, it's better not to lip off. It's better not oh, yeah. to be snarky and rude no. and all those things. But say, you know what? I have a fast car. And I'm an enthusiast. Yeah. You could bring up and work into the subject matter like we have with our local law enforcement. And that is, theoretically, somebody driving a hot car at a high rate of speed is paying more attention and a better driver and more in tune. I would never bring that up, that though, personally. usually never really flies with the no. police yeah. unless they're car enthusiasts and they kind of get it. But but I will say. It's there as an underlying current. Yeah. But for the most part, you need to swallow hard mm. and get ready for the beating. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. Driving fast is different than driving reckless. Absolutely. Now, sometimes they the can ticket, go hand in hand. Sometimes the ticket is the same. Sometimes the ticket is looked at the same. Yes. But if if you drive fast but not recklessly and get pulled over for driving fast and are then respectful, you will get through the situation not clean but better than mm-hmm. you would have if you were driving recklessly and then were a jerk. That's going to go all bad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. I agree. Ted Theologian wrote in on Instagram, and he, he has an interesting question that then leads me to a different thought that we should bring up. Okay. He said, have we heard about potential engine recall for the very early FRS BRZ models? I have not, but okay. Theoretically, it's uh, 12 hours of labor at the dealer. Would we trust a dealer to do this? I'm going to say two things to you. If, if there is a recall on the engine, yes, let the dealer do it because they're doing it under – you don't have to pay for it. They're doing it under warranty, and if they break it and make it worse, it's their problem to fix again. Sure, I, sure. Now, 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 now look in and dig into who are the dealers, yeah, who has yeah. the best service areas. D- dig into all of that stuff. Don't go to the place that has terrible uh, ratings for its service. Don't go there. <laughs> yeah, right. If you look, if you can get your warranty work done at at an independent, I love independent mechanics. But a I lot agree. of times, there's something this involved. They want you back. The dealers totally. don't care as much. They do. They do. But for something this surveys, involved, like we're doing a do. massive recall, the dealer is probably where you're going to need to wind up. So then shop your dealers nicely. But that reminds me of what's going on with the Miata. And I want to bring this up. Oh, because yeah. Because it was mentioned to us a while back. We touched on this. Right around the time that you and I were talking about it, it was mentioned to us. I think it was Blake that emailed in. And then I've heard it mentioned a couple other places in the last like week where people were like, what are you talking about? So I want to clarify. I want to do this really quickly. The latest Gen Miata, the ND, the current Miata, has its own – I'm going to coin it this way. It has its own IMS issue. You know, the IMS issue that apparently is striking all Porsches, but yet is blown way out of proportion. (laughs) Miata has its example, okay? Yeah. The early current-gen Miatas have transmission issues. Now, I say have, but that doesn't mean all of them. There is a notable percentage. It is typically early build dates. The second gear decides it doesn't want to be a gear anymore, and it destroys itself Hmm. and takes the transmission with it. Now, some people have said that is only cars that people have tracked. Other guys have been like, all I ever did was commute. What the heck happened? So here's what I know to be true. And I have actually asked local Miata owners. We know a couple guys that have ND Miatas, and I've asked them at length. Mazda is trying to solve this problem. Back to the FRS BRZ getting a recall. Mazda is trying to solve this problem. They know, okay, this is manual gearboxes only, the six speeds. They are on generation four of the transmission for this Miata. Yep. The fourth transmission. Crazy. Now, we have a guy that just bought a new one in the last year. His car came with transmission four and has been flawless, though he is being very aware. We have another guy who bought an early gen, and he has had two transmission replacements because the first time it did anything weird, even before it had a real issue, he had a new one put in, and then Mazda said, no, 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 we're doing a, a version four. He's had that one put in, and that seems to be running well. 
I say all of that to say, if you are an enthusiast buying an early 4th Gen Miata, be aware this problem exists. It doesn't mean it's a guarantee, and it also means that Mazda is working on a solve. And we think, by version 4, they've found a solve. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Ryan R. over here on Facebook. Ryan, thanks for writing. Asks us, what are some cars that were groundbreaking when they came out but have not aged well? Well, it's the cars that we tease all the time, and it's the retro era from the late 90s, early 2000s. And I say they're groundbreaking because the car companies tried it. They tried it out. Oh, sure. They tried out the retro thing on the public to see would it sell. They sold some. Mm -hmm. And they promptly left retro in the dust. Retro will never be seen again in my lifetime. Uh, that's interesting At least point. I hope not. And maybe retro will mean, hey, remember all those crazy lines and arcs and shapes we used to do? Yeah. Let's bring that back of you know this era. But you know what I mean. By retro going to the, hey, they don't make them like they used to era mm-hmm. of you know early Fords and you know big cycle fenders, big balloon shapes, <laughs> you know overly emphasized headlights and taillights and the all that PT kind of stuff. Cruiser. Yeah. Was it idea? The Prowler is a big one. Yeah. The PT Cruiser was another one. The, yeah. The Chevy HHR, high heritage roof, mm-hmm. on and on and yeah. on. All those retro things, the sure. Chevy SSR sure, sure. that could tow a couple of sheets of paper. But it was a convertible pickup because we needed one of those. Yeah. All that stuff, that was tried as a <laughs> let's sell cars based on that very much. Cars are still sold by style, mm-hmm. certainly. But this drove everything about it, and therefore a lot of things were ignored, like, is it a good car to drive? Yeah. Is it built well? Yeah. Can it actually do the things a pickup truck does? I think we've been there, and that's firmly in our rearview mirror. Those have not aged well, and that business thinking mm-hmm. has not aged well. So yeah. we're not going to see yeah. that anymore. And with autonomy and new design directions being based on function or mm-hmm. a theme, mm-hmm. That's what I continue to see in car companies okay. moving forward. I don't see a look back anymore unless it's by oh, that's interesting. technology, you know, Mazda bringing the rotary back in a different capacity, that sure, kind of thing. Sure, sure, okay. okay. But I don't see, you know, with the way cars are built, you know, maybe assembled in seven separate sub-assemblies, you know, <laughs> sure. and they're snapped together yeah. or adhesives or all of that kind of stuff is continually being explored for speed for mm-hmm. you know all this mm-hmm. all these different reasons but I, I don't see us looking back to design cars anymore okay let's hope not uh mark in 501 had a good question i don't have a, a way to specifically quantify this but i want to see if i can clarify he's asking if modding out of class has a different standard based on the car you're talking about mm. and you're oh, talking this is about an excellent price question. Uh, here, here's the thing yes i fully believe that it does modding after out, out of class where we're, we talk about you shouldn't spend so much money you could have gotten the next car up, okay? That also relates directly to the original price of the car we're talking about. And mm. I'm going to – this mm. is not a hard and fast rule, so don't hold me to it. But I'm going to say if you're spending more than 30% of what the car cost you, you're now modding out of class. That's very different if you bought a $100,000 car than sure. if you bought a $20,000 car because the parts are more expensive and the next class up is farther out of reach. If you buy a twenty-five dollars or $30,000 FRS and you put $10,000 into that car, what could you have bought for forty or forty-five? Very much so. But if you buy yeah. a fifty thousand dollar whatever fifty thousand dollar let's say let's go this way you buy a sixty thousand dollar brand new Corvette and you put ten into it mm-hmm. you're not really a different class at seventy thousand dollars not really sure okay so it, it's it's where is the next class and as you get into a more expensive car the next and this is a, this is also a kind of a fuzzy reality but the next class of vehicle is even farther up but i'm going to say if you're spending 30% of the original car's value that you just bought over and above the car you bought you're now modding out of class what are you doing buy the more expensive car you can get for that amount of money mhm no oh, i like that there's a question from oshada on instagram asking when should you replace paint protection film and what's the best way to remove it i've been told 3 to 5 years 5 years kind of at the top end unless you just decide you know what the car's not i'm not going to get that done anymore i'm not mm-hmm. going to pay to do that again it's looking okay i'll just keep going but if you okay. want to freshen it up and you want to take it off or whatever for any reason I've heard and have been told three to five years, especially for wraps. You know, if you change sure. the color, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. five years is sort of like, yeah, maximum. Let's take it off, off right here, there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And then best way to remove it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like a sticker. Like you're pulling a sticker at an angle kind of thing. Slowly, carefully. Like there's heat involved as well if you do it right. Yeah, I, I agree. We, so, are not, we are not those guys, by the way. We're, we're, we're not, not those guys. Protection film but my guys. understanding is that it's yes. heat related as well. But yeah, definitely consult your local paint protection film yeah. expert. Do, do not do, do it that. because the guys on Everyday Driver said, we do it like this. Don't yeah, do right. that. Please don't do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a number of you are also asking about the Veloster N. At least three of you that I can see. That was at SEMA. Hyundai is mm-hmm. making a huge noise at SEMA. Yeah. They brought the Telluride from Kia. They brought the Stinger. They brought a huge booth. I mean, Ford and Chevy and FCA all have theirs. Mm-hmm. Honda's got a corner. Hyundai's was every bit as big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was They're impressive. Yeah. And I'm thinking to myself, the N versions of every car need to come here for the enthusiasts. <laughs> Okay, maybe the sales numbers aren't going to be there, but mm-hmm. there will be some, and I feel like Hyundai's doing it right. They're simple. They're not fussy. They're not mm. overly done. The buttons and switches, well, they just make sense. They work. They're not the fanciest thing ever. Yeah. They're not the most, you know, whatever it is, you know, the highest level of tech you can buy and fussiest <clears throat> BMW tech, but <laughs> they work, and they just seem so focused, and they just seem like they're picking up the slack that they've observed all these enthusiast sports car companies yeah. have left behind. Interesting point. They're picking it up Interesting and they're point. doing their own spin. And I, I say, bring it. I can't wait. You're right, guys. We need to be in the Veloster N. We yeah, need to be in the N product. Mm-hmm. They need to end NIs everything in their lineup. We, we need it. Yeah. Well, guys, we will end things there. Thank you so much for your questions. We're off to do more traveling mm-hmm. because we've got to wrap things up for season four. A lot more coming at you. Keep writing to us. Looking forward to it. Cheers. Geico presents eyewitness interviews with inanimate objects. This is Brian Bruno live on the scene of a recent windstorm here to describe the event, the chest of drawers. There's a storm howling outside, so I thought I'd stay in and watch a rom-com. Five minutes into the flick, a tree branch slams through the window. Were you hurt? (laughs) I just got a scratch on my chest. Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be. ADT can design and install a smart home just for you, backed by 24-7 protection. A new smart home at your service, customized for your lifestyle. Set up custom automations unique to your home to automatically do the things like lock the doors or set the thermostat when you leave. Even close your garage door from virtually anywhere. ADT will set up your home with multiple smart home devices and security features like indoor and outdoor cameras, locks, lights, and garage door control, even video doorbells. Visit ADT.com slash podcasts to learn more about how ADT can design and install a secure smart home just for you.